0: You are listening to the
1: Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the
0: latest info and behind the scenes juice on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 259. I'm your host. Reality Steve, thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you this week. Kate Casey from the Reality Life Podcast is on the show. Probably her fourth or fifth time, and the reason I wanted to have her on is because she had Jed Wyatt on her podcast last week, which was interesting, to say the least. We dive into that for about the first 20 minutes of this podcast, so we'll get to that momentarily. A few things in Bachelor Nation I want to talk about. For those that don't follow on social media, I can only say you got to. Follow me on Twitter at Reality Steve. Follow me on Instagram at Reality Steve. Be sure to check my Instagram stories. And yesterday you'll know I announced who Clayton's Final Four were. If you don't want to know, if you don't even know that Clayton's our next Bachelor, well, he is. And the Final Four has been established. He is filming Hometown Dates as we speak on Tuesday and I'm giving you a chance. Fast forward, mute, whatever you want to do if you don't want to know Clayton's Final Four. Three, two, and one. So anyway, Clayton on Tuesday had his first hometown date with Susie Evans in Virginia. Today he's filming a hometown date in Orlando with Rachel Recchia. Now, nothing in Susie's date got out, at least picture-wise, there were no pictures that got out publicly. I don't know what, so I don't know what they did during the day, but he definitely had his date with Susie. Um, I know that he's in Orlando today because he was. It was told to me uh, that he was in Orlando last night at dinner. Somebody saw him at dinner, sent it, took a picture of him. I don't know if he knew they took a picture of him, but they did, and they sent it to me and they told me what restaurant it was at and whatnot. So he's definitely in Orlando, and that's where Rachel's parents are. So when I announced the Final Four yesterday. The only one I knew for sure in terms of the order it was happening was Susie. I know that Rachel and I know that, um, Serene and Gabby are the other two. I just knowing the way they film, if they start on the East coast, that means they're usually going East to West. So knowing that they were on the Eastern coast with Susie in Virginia. Okay. I don't know if it's actually the coast, but you know what I'm saying? The East coast. I don't know if it's actually on the coast where they filmed. By the way, they filmed in, her parents live in a town called, people in Virginia are probably going to laugh at me because I'm trying to pronounce this for the first time. I've seen the name out there. Pocoson? P-O-Q-U-O-S-O-N? Pocoson? Is that how you pronounce it? That's where her family lives and that's where the hometown, the night portion was filmed. Then... Rachel Reckia is in Orlando. Serena is in Oklahoma City. So that would be Saturday since they always take a day off in between hometowns. And that means Gabby's is on Monday. And that's the furthest west, which would be she's in Colorado. I believe it's, I believe her parents are in Denver. They might be in Boulder. I'm not sure exact city, but I know that they're in Colorado. So Gabby lives in LA, but her parents are in Colorado. Gabby moved to LA like a year ago, I believe. So those are your final four. And. As you know from the pictures that I've been able to get this season of Clayton during filming, the one woman that you know has been on two one-on-one dates is Serene Russell. So does that mean she's going to win? I you know I don't know. But these four, I guess when I found out, based on stuff that I was hearing throughout the season, I'm not too surprised that these are the final four. I think – about two weeks ago, I sent a DM to somebody who, um, who I've been talking about Clayton's spoilers with, and I said, "This is just my guess, but my final four hometowns is oh god, I got to pull it up again because I don't want to. I'm not going to lie to you. If I if I I don't think I got all four right. I said." My guess for final four, um, shit, I'm sorry. I should have had this out earlier. Uh, crap. I'm so sorry. I probably, probably shouldn't have done this. Probably. Uh, maybe I'll edit this out. Maybe not. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. I was just looking at this the other day. What did I, oh, here's my guess for the final four based on nothing. Really? That's what I, uh, told them gabby this was with two weeks this is about two weeks ago um gabby Susie, sarah serene so you can replace sarah with rachel and what they had written back was i ah, don't no need to go into that <laughs> but yeah i so i guess three of the four two weeks ago um and I really was basing that on nothing other than I knew that they were still, the, <laughs> they were still there. But yeah, those are their final four. And um, knowing that today's in Orlando, that only leaves two hometowns left. And one of the women lives in Oklahoma City and one of them lives in Denver or uh, family is there, Colorado. So I would think the next one is going to be Serene on Saturday and then Gabby on Monday. And then, supposedly, they're going to Iceland for final row ceremony, which I gave you about a month ago. So, it looks good. It, you know, it's interesting because there have been a few responses to the Final Four being posted of, you know, why are you just skipping Michelle's season? Who's the, who, who's the Final Four for Michelle's season? And I've told you, like, I don't know a lot about Michelle's season. If I knew the Final Four, I would have given it to you by now. I just don't know a lot about Michelle's season. You know the final two and you know who she's engaged to, yet people are begging for the final four. I'm like, do you really? I mean, I, you, you know the winner and you know the second guy. Like, Are you dying to know who finishes third and fourth? Because I guarantee you if I said, I know who finishes third and fourth in Michelle's season, but I don't know one and two, you'd be like, great, Steve. We don't care who finishes third and fourth. That's why it's funny that I'm getting so many who's Michelle's final four when you know the two and you know the one. Because if it was the other way around, you wouldn't care. But Why do, why do so many people care about three and four right now? Um, I can tell you this. I know Joe makes it far. So I'm guessing he's in the final four. I just don't know if it's three or if it's four. But he's definitely final. He's in that final four. And the other reason why I haven't probably find figured out the final four and know who the final four is on Michelle's season because I don't even know if there was a traditional final four. As I said this on my live last week, just basing it off of the fact that the Delta variant took off right around the time that hometowns were supposed to happen during Michelle's season, which was around the end of August. Preseason, I had said the plan was they were going to go back to regular hometowns where she was going to visit four hometowns. Well, based on knowing when the season ended, which was September 9th, and just backdating everything and knowing that they take a day off in between each hometown date, I just don't think they went anywhere for hometowns. I don't think they went to the four hometowns. So again, I think plans changed on the fly and families were brought to Minnesota because that's where they were when they got, when all the rose ceremonies got down to four men. I don't think that there were four hometown dates. If there were, they did a hell of a job of covering them up because not one of them got out. But I just don't see how that happened because that's literally eight days of filming. That's date. Off day, date, off day, date, off day, date, then rose ceremony. So, what is that, seven days? I, I, they didn't have a week in there to go knowing when they got down to Mexico and started filming overnights and final rose ceremony. So, I, maybe I'm completely wrong and there were hometown days, but I don't believe there were in terms of traveling to hometown dates like I had reported preseason. That's what that was the plan. Because when I reported preseason, that's when we were there were a lot of places that were without masks. And then all of a sudden they went back to mask mandating and Delta variant was really high. And, you know, remember beginning of August, basically the whole month of August, Delta variant, we were getting 150, 175,000 deaths in the U.S. or infection rate infections a day in the U.S. when it when it had been down to 20 and 30,000 in like April and May. So. It's probably why plans change and I didn't have a final four. So, you know, that Brandon is two. You know she's engaged to Nate. Joe finishes in the final 4. I just don't know if he went to Mexico and was number 3. And you know, we'll just have to see. I mean, maybe I'll still find, I mean, still got about 4 or 5 weeks before we get to that episode. Maybe I'll find out. I don't know. But that's where we're at with that. Um and it's not like I'm just It's just not on my um you know, with Clayton season filming right now. It's just more on the forefront of important stuff that I need to get. Yes, Michelle's season is airing, but it's been over for two months and I haven't heard by now, so I'm not like actively going out and seeking, hey, who's the Final Four when I've got two and one? It's just, if I get it, great. If I don't, I'm not, I'm just not all that worked up about getting it. And I understand people want it, but I'm kind of scratching my head over why they're so hell bent on wanting to know who's three and four when if it were the other way around, they wouldn't care. So one other thing that this came out yesterday and I had no idea, it, I, I had no idea. I did not even heard like, look, I pay attention to a lot of stuff going on in the media and TV and reality shows and dating reality shows and stuff like that. I had never heard. But for those that don't know, Joe Millionaire is being rebooted. It's already been shot. It's going to debut in January on Fox, regular Fox, big Fox. And the twist is it's two guys. One guy is worth ten million dollars and one guy isn't. And there's twenty women there or something like that. And same concept as when it debuted in two thousand one or two thousand two. Tricking women into believing one guy's well, the original show was only one bachelor suitor and they told him they told them he was worth thirty five million dollars and he made twenty five grand a year. And it was all about are you in it for love, or are you in it for money? But that was at the advent of reality TV when That was just like a wild concept. Now they've basically done every possible thing you could do in reality television. Nothing can really shock you. So this one is just, it's still Joe millionaire women competing for two men, but they know one of them is worth a lot. And one of them isn't. So we'll see how it plays out. But for those that have followed me for a long time and have heard me in interviews, talk about how my career got started. Joe millionaire is the show that birthed reality. Steve, there would be no reality. Steve. I don't think without Joe Millionaire back in 2001 or 2002, because I saw it, Fox was running it during NFL football, and I was like, this is crazy. And I know it doesn't sound crazy right now, but in 2001, that was a big deal that they were going to run a trick reality show and fool a bunch of women into falling for a guy they thought was worth a ton of money when he didn't have any money. So I was like, I got to watch this. And so I started watching it and I was just, my jaw was on the floor. Back in 2002, now would just be like a snooze fest in terms of we've seen every kind of iteration of something that has to do with money and love and stuff like that. So I just started writing an email to three of my friends. At the end of each episode, I just jotted down notes, pretty much kind of like my column, bullet point stuff, and I sent it to three of my friends. And they thought it was funny. And I just did. I just kept doing it every week because I was like, "This is. You, are you watching this? This is crazy. These women are falling for him, and they're they, they're thinking they're falling for him probably because he's got thirty five million dollars coming to him or whatever." And um, unbeknownst to me, they started forwarding it on to other people, who then started being asking me and emailing me, "Hey, can I be part of your Joe Millionaire email list? I got your recap. I thought it was funny." And then that email list kept growing and growing and growing. Then Joe Millionaire ended, and the next dating show to show up on network TV was Trista's season of the bachelorette. And I just started doing that and the rest is history. And here I am 20 years later, still doing the same thing, except having spoilers to stuff. So just crazy. I, the the fact that it's being rebooted, I'm like, I almost, you know, you know, I've collabed with mass singer and alter ego on Fox. I hope I can collab with them in January when this thing comes out and promote it because I'll definitely be watching. I'll definitely be doing some sort of I'll definitely talk about it. I don't know if I'll do an episode by episode recap, but I definitely want to talk about it and see if I can, uh, you know, collab with them, because that's the show that started Reality Steve. And who knows if that show never came on? Who knows if I'd even be doing this? So, yeah, it's a little nostalgic. And to see that today or see that uh, you know, I say today, I'm recording this Wednesday. It was pretty cool. I was like, wow, we've come full circle. Joe Millionaire, here we are, 20 years later. So, looking forward to that. Anyway, Kate Casey is up with podcast number 259, and we've got a lot to talk about. First 20 minutes are basically about her interview with Jed, and then the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking Real Housewives stuff. And then the last 20 minutes or so, we talk about some documentaries that I think you guys would all enjoy. Two of them I hadn't heard until she told me about them on the podcast, and then one that I had watched a couple years ago, And I think you all should watch because it's really, really interesting. So anyway, let's just get going. Podcast number 259. Here we go. Let's bring her in. She is the host of the Reality Life podcast. This is probably her, I don't know, fourth, fifth time on this podcast. It is Kate Casey. Kate, how are you?
1: I love you. How are you?
0: I'm great. And I wanted to bring you on because you had a very, very important guest in the Bachelor Nation world last week. Yeah. By the name of Jed Wyatt. And I guess my first question to you is this. How did you land Jed Wyatt? Because Jed is somebody that clearly we've all been wondering, dude, what the hell were you doing? Right after his season ended, he did go on, at the time, Rachel and Becca's podcast and explained himself. And then he basically shut up for a year. But he teased he had a podcast coming out, and then it never came out. And then he said, you know what, I was thinking about doing a podcast, but... While I was basically teasing it, production came to me and said, basically threatened to sue me. So I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But then he went on your podcast and talked about pretty much all the things we wanted to hear him talk about. So yeah, what changed? What happened? How did you get this?
1: Uh, I think that for a lot of reality TV contestants, they need time. They need time. And I just happened to hit them at the right moment, at the right day, at the right time. And I reached out and said, listen, I do a lot of interviews with people that have just come off a show, but I also do a ton of interviews with people that have had some length of time away from a show. And what's great about it is it gives them a sense of introspection that makes for a really great interview because people really want to know how something changed the course of your life and i think this would be a great time for you to tell your story because you've been off the grid for a little bit and lived you know lived some life and and can look you know behind your shoulder now so why don't you come on and he said yeah i would love to so it was just kind of great and i really liked him a lot and i do think that that interview would have been totally different a year ago yeah i didn't i didn't find him to be as angry I think he has kind of had some time to just think about how did this add value to my life? What did I learn from it? And I, another thing that I, I kept thinking of is that he was on that show when he was 23 years old. He's only 25 now. And to, he he had just been in school. He was working a bunch of odd jobs. He's just at that perfect time where you just leave school and you're kind of trying to figure out what you're going to do for your career. And he took this opportunity to be on a TV show and didn't wasn't fully prepared for what it would entail. And I do feel like he feels like he was kind of spit out of a tornado. And now he's only, still only 25 years old. So it just seems like a, a heavy experience on one's mental health. Uh, but I think that the longer someone's away from it, they can kind of, let go of the things that upset them and see how it helped their life. It's a short period in your life, but I think for these young contestants, it's it certainly is a very eye-opening experience and does so much to teach them about who they are and what they want.
0: Well, I can certainly understand him when he says i felt like i was spit out of a tornado because essentially that's what it is like this machine has been going on you know 42 seasons wherever we're at right now with with michelle's season and then clayton's season that's currently filming you know we're looking at 42 seasons like this whole show you can just picture it as a giant tornado and every right. season, just new people are thrown into it and then spit out of it. Like, that's what this is. It's like, or you can call it like, you know, a train just going 100 miles an hour on the on the train tracks. That's what it is. It's just, this is just a moving train and every season, new people hop on and then they get spit right back out and you're just thrown off the train and it's like, okay, go deal with life, you know, assuming you don't, exactly you know, whether, yeah. and, and you know, and it continues into paradise, paradise, is the same thing. It's all part of this train slash hurricane, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I. I get that on his part, and I listened to bits and pieces of it. I couldn't listen to the whole thing just yet. <laughs> but and, and look, it, you know, we're a year removed, and everybody's moved on yeah. with their lives. Hannah's in a better place. Haley's in a better place. He's in a better place. So you don't want to sit here and just browbeat him over every single thing that happened after the fact. And right. honestly, when I you know Haley came on my podcast twice during that time, and right, you know, listening to what he said on yours and listening to what Haley said clearly either there's you know the saying of there's well, two can, sides can, and there's the, the truth is in to the that middle though?
1: yeah yeah probably but i do think like some of the things he said i was like yeah uh, okay if you're first of all all of these contestants are dating because y- it's ridiculous to ask if you're a part of this show and i'm sure that they know this behind the scenes it's ridiculous to ask young men in their 20s okay you're going to begin this casting process And we both know how long that can take. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to date anybody. And then you're going to go on a show where you're going to be one of 30 guys. Like in their minds, they're like, I don't even know if I'm going to be on the show. I don't know if I'm going to be cast in it. I'm going to go about my my life. I don't even know if I'm going to like this person. So to date somebody does to me doesn't seem like that big of a deal, especially when we know now, two years later, that basically all these guys date other people in the run up to the show anyway.
0: Or, okay, yeah, so that d- date was number one. Sla- date slash hooking up with someone, clearly, yeah. Because you don't want to li- you don't want to limit your options, essentially.
1: Now, no I'm not trying to knock Haley, but I'm also kind of like, let's give this guy a little empathy because if you're dating someone kind of loosely and you say, By the way, I'm leaving for I could be gone for seven weeks because I'm gonna go on a show where I'm gonna date a girl. That's probably the time where you go, he's really not that into me. And I should probably go on and date other people. If you're one of the girls, that's like, I still think we're going to be in this like really, you know, really strong, devoted relationship. I I think you got to be a little bit more realistic. I think that this is basically like a game show and you know, you're throwing the dice on the table and it is what it is. So I kind of like think that that's the other beauty of like someone doing an interview when they've been far away from a show. It's kind of ridiculous. I will say the one thing I did give him shit for was, I'm like, listen, you said I love you to this girl. Of course she's going to be thinking something else. And he said, yeah, I just I say that to everybody. And I I should never have said it. But I, I honestly just say I love you to everybody. I'm like, I don't know anybody in the entire world that just says "I love you" to
0: everybody. I was like, that's kind of dumb. Well, especially a girl that you're fucking. Like, come on, dude.
1: <laughs> you know, I didn't even that's idea. But to his credit, he was like, "That was uh, that was a stupid thing. I should have never done that."
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the thing. I don't remember every detail because it was over a year ago now, and I don't yeah. remember every detail that <laughs> Haley told me. Um. So, but to play devil's advocate to what he said and kind of sure. uh, of what you said about that. If I remember correctly, and, I, and I, I think I'm kind of paraphrasing here for Haley, but basically what she said was, because I asked her the same thing, yeah. because that was the biggest thing coming up at the time. Like, If you had a boyfriend, why would you let him go on a show where the end result is possibly getting engaged to somebody? And it was kind of kind of what your answer was, which was, hey, it, it was almost like he didn't take the show seriously. I don't think Jed I'd was think very familiar did. with it. And he
1: didn't, that's what he, that was the craziest thing. He's like, I barely watched the show. I didn't even know much about it. And I, which cracks me up because if you're a real housewife and you go on the show and you never studied or watched it, I'm like, what? that's like taking a job that you never did any research on the, the company, yeah. but he truly did not. And I, I, I don't know if he's the, I think straight men on these shows are ding dongs and they're like, <laughs> all right, dude, whatever. Like he, uh, He's just like playing his guitar, trying to get a job here and there. Done. He was doing personal training and somebody reached out to him in the DMs. And they were like, hey, would you be interested in the show? And he's like, okay. And then it's like months and months of dragging on. He's like, I don't even think they want me. And he's just going about his life. He was like a ding dong about it. He was a 23-year-old. You can't forget that. So then he goes on the show. And he's like, in, basically, it's almost like a social experiment. And in the confines of it, you're like, yeah, I do like this girl. I mean, they bonded because they were both from the South. He doesn't really spend that much time with her, but the time that he did spend out with her, he's like, yeah, I was totally into her. And then it's like, you get engaged. You're you're like, okay. Then you get off the show again. He's 23 years old, which is bananas. But then he kind of alludes to like, I wasn't confident enough in myself and and didn't understand the power that I had because I allowed the system to tell me like what I should do. So uh, like I, he entrusted in them, like yeah. just go follow. He says something like they told me like, just fall on the sword, go out to the, after the rose ceremony, just like eat it. And he said, I didn't stand up for myself and, and speak my author, uh, like speak to my offense, authentic- you know, wasn't my authentic self because I was told this. this is going to look better for you. Just trust us. And he says, and in hindsight, I shouldn't have done that. I should have spoken up more and been more true to myself. But again, he was 23. And I think who he is now is a completely different person. The good thing is this. He ended up with someone great. Hannah Brown is very happy. The weird thing is he said that Haley is now dating Hannah's brother.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that that came I, about. What? Yeah, that came about, and which was weird because when I thought about when it when you first think about it, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is just a yeah. a total mess. But then I was thinking about it, and while it is kind of odd because of who Haley is and who she's dating happens to be the brother of, but when you look at it from just an outsider perspective, Haley is dating. The brother of so Jed's ex-girlfriend is dating the brother of his ex-fiance. And you look it's at it weird. that it's just like it's weird, but it's like, well, what does Cause people are like, oh, that that proves this or that proves that. I was like, I don't know if it proves anything, because I Haley didn't do anything specifically to Hannah Brown to make Hannah Brown hate Haley. And Hannah Brown obviously is related to her brother, and clearly if this was a major issue, I'm guessing, not that not that Hannah Brown's brother isn't allowed, Patrick isn't allowed to make his own decisions, but I would think if he knew that this would cause a major, major strife in his relationship with his sister, he probably would have passed on the relationship. But I don't know. Maybe it has. I have no idea if this bothers Hannah or not. I don't see why it would, because Hannah was not a woman... I, Haley was not a woman in Hannah's life. Like I'm trying to think of a situation. Well, why, why would this bother Hannah Steve, or anything?
1: Steve, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Is uh, like, it? It is. Yes, it's very weird. I and mean, it is what it is. It's weird. And I, I, I thought that he was a very thoughtful, kind person. I had much more empathy for him than I did during the show. I'm one of the many people that ripped on the way that he would carry the guitar everywhere. Another thing. He was like, a I didn't have anything to do all day. They pushed me to always bring my guitar. They're like, you know, you should write a song for her. And he's like, uh, okay. So he he's like, yeah. I watched the show, and I'm like, I look like an idiot. Like, oh, there he is with his guitar again. But they were encouraging me to play songs for her all the time.
0: Yeah, he was so he again, was a producer pup. I mean, he was a producer. Yeah. He was so a he guy was a 20, that was naive about totally yeah, and, and yeah. naive about the show and production loves naive people about this show because that's who they prey on because those people don't understand like during filming when a producer is egging you on to do something or encouraging you to do something, you're not thinking of the ramifications of it when it actually airs three months from the time you're actually filming it. And that's where they get you.
1: I know, but to their credit, let's throw them a bone. They're making a TV show and they're like, this guy's adorable. He's from the south. This is like a no brainer. They they would totally date if they were living in Brentwood, Tennessee, or wherever Nashville. Like, let's encourage this. Like, oh, she probably loves country music. That's probably the way that they're. It was like two ships passing in the night. You know what I mean? It in the end, it didn't work. It was great TV. I gotta tell you, it was a much more interesting season than this one. Well. don't oh, no. know but Mich- she the Mich- Michelle and I think that the re- the reason why it's not that interesting is because she's so normal she's really smart she's going to go back to her real job the guy that you clearly see the most chemistry with it seems like a very good match for her I think some of the better episodes or seasons where people <laughs> who had like someone who's absolutely bonkers and two people that would never make it in real life match together and you're screaming at your TV and you're like, what are you thinking? Don't be such a moron. You don't have that with Michelle because you're like, I think she actually might meet somebody and be happy.
0: Well, and I mean, that
1: unfortunately is not always the most interesting TV.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, people complain all the time, like, Oh, just give us a love story. We don't need all this drama, but you know what? No, you, they want drama. You do. They want drama. You do want yeah, you
1: drama. Want drama. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's so, so ridiculous. It's so hypocritical for people to say, I just want a love story. I don't want the drama. But if there was every episode, every guy was getting along on Michelle's season and everything was great and she was and she was connecting with every guy, you'd be like, This is kind of boring. Like nothing's happening this totally. season. Totally. You know? I mean, they threw it, you know, yeah. we've had Jamie the last two episodes and Jamie whole issue with hey, you know, your pre show relationship with Joe and how did that come about? And we're questioning your character. Like, that is that was the major focus of the last <laughs> two episodes. If that didn't happen what do we have? Awesome. A guy throwing a guy's Nothing. jacket into a pool? Like, okay. Yeah. You know,
1: Pe- I know people just... love the drama. People do. I do. And that was why Jed and Hannah were great.
0: <laughs> it was, I mean, it was great because the other thing about the Jed Hannah stuff was it wasn't stuff like when we watched the 11 episodes of Hannah Brown's season, none of that was evident on the show. Like, Jed and Hannah had a love story on the show that people watched. Everything that happened with them was happening. Off air while the show was airing and happening in the tabloids, which what made it so much more interesting because you had to wait and tune in to find out, number one, is the spoiler right that she's engaged to him? And two, wait a second, now that this has happened post show, what happened to their relationship when she found out that this girl went to the media and spoke to these outlets and told them this stuff? How is Hannah going to react? And it turned into she reacted by dumping him. On television, you know, or dumping him on a yes. recorded segment where, you know, she brought him during one of their happy couple visits. Uh, she confronted him and said, I, you know, I can't take this. You know, I can't have this. And looks like you lied to me and we're done. And then they filmed an after yeah, Rose after that.
1: He, he was almost the accidental villain because you talk to him and he's like, OK, like what happened? <laughs> like, huh? What? 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 He's such a nice kind person and he's so handsome he was just great for tv i just think he didn't know what he was getting himself into but
0: oh, clearly, I'm, clearly I'm, he didn't
1: <laughs> ha- happy to tell you he's very happy and and doing very very well yeah
0: i mean good for him that he found somebody yeah. and you know like we said it's all worked out for everybody in the end so to rehash it and browbeat a guy over something he did a year and a half ago, it's like okay. Well, yeah, when it was twenty three. Yeah, I, exactly. Do, do I agree with it? No. He should he should he have used the word love and sent love notes to her and told her to wait for him <laughs> and he'd be back after the show ended and he and to wait for him while he went and did the show? Probably not. They were both at fault for that, I think. Um, but yeah, it just it's almost like I I think the reason why everyone was so curious about Jed was because.
1: He had said, "I want to talk." Yeah, but then he didn't talk,
0: and then he didn't talk, and said they're going to yeah. sue. You know, producers or um ABC got to me and told me they were basically going to sue me if I started a podcast and told the real story. And so I decided not to. You know, I decided to cut my losses and just not do it. And you know, that's the problem with this show. And it's you know, look, and, and on a much smaller level, what happened with Jamie the last two episodes? It's like, okay, he's the villain. We get it. He was very, his conversations with Michelle were kind of all over the place, and we still are kind of confused on what the hell he was trying to do or say. But then he takes to his Instagram stories and in Last Night and says, you know, I wish I could tell you guys the true story, but I signed a contract so I can't. So it's like this show will always have the last word on everything, because unless somebody really wants to go up against this big machine that is ABC – nobody's really ever going to tell the exact details of everything that went down.
1: But, but to I, I don't even season. know. I don't know. Sometimes there's this assumption that maybe it's super juicy. Maybe it's just not that juicy. Like I'm going to really, I'm going to blow the lid open. And then, then you find out and you're like, that's, well, that's kind of TV, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, especially with Jamie on something that's so small. Like Jamie didn't <laughs> yeah. didn't utter a racial slur. He didn't like call Michelle names. He he, you know, he questioned her character because of a pre show relationship she may have had with Joe, but then put it on the other guys. It's just like, okay, we've seen villains like that yeah. before. That you know act one way around the lead. And and he was, he was also very cocky about, Oh, we have a great relationship and I don't, I don't really need this Rose and I'm above this show and stuff like that. It's just like, okay, he's such a, he's such a lower scale villain. And then someone like Jed, because one, Jamie lasted three episodes. and He wasn't the guy that gets engaged at the end. Like there's, there's definitely levels. And I think people tend to forget that, that while Jamie is the most quote unquote hated guy, this season and everybody's got their thoughts on him from the last two episodes. It's like, okay, he's gone. He lasted three episodes. Like who cares now? Like, right. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, he's a three episode guy who was basically filler. So they could have drama in the early part of the season. And then next episode, somebody else will pick up the drama baton stick and run with it. That's basically how it works. So yeah, I mean, I look, I, the Jed stuff, like I said, it's a year and a half old. So while it is interesting, When everybody's moved on, it's almost like, you know, you know, good for everybody. And things were done wrong. Things were said wrong. They could have been handled differently, but they weren't. Can't go back and change time. I
1: I, I do think also, I do think that going back and interviewing them, though, what is interesting is that more reality stars, and I've, I've experienced this with my own show, is that I'm glad that they're talking more about the mental health toll that it takes not just being on a show but what happens in the aftermath like I've interviewed people from the real world who have said you know I'm famous I was famous but I was not successful so I I, everybody knew who I was but I couldn't get a job or the way that I, I had a housewife say I became addicted to fame I was so upset when I was let go of the show because I had become so reliant on the likes and comments and the dms from strangers yeah And even then Higgins came forward and said, I'm going through a period of time where I'm feeling a little bit lost because I think he had become so consumed by the show and reliant on the feedback that he maybe had lost himself for a little bit. And I think it's really fantastic that they're all coming forward and doing that because they're cracking the door open for other people to say, you know, there are things that were great about being on television, but there are things that really I suffered from for some time and i think the that it it normalizes it for the people that come off the shows and are still in the throes of it
0: and i'm going to show the negative side of that while it's great that they're doing that the negative side is the shows that these people are on unfortunately don't give a shit and the shows should probably be providing some sort of hey we're here for you post show because you're now entering a world that you're not used to and we've heard like you said a lot of contestants well, we don't...
1: I, I we don't know if they may. Well, they, I know the bachelor. Not maybe isn't. not I'm maybe speaking. not every show, but yeah. I, I I think that that's probably something that they're ap- absolutely considering because there are just too many people that now come forward and say that.
0: Yeah. No, um, and and you, you know, you said yeah. you talked to it with uh housewife people. I know for a fact there's contestants in Bachelor Nation that are 1000% addicted to the likes and the comments and yeah. the second they get, neg- you know, for mm-hmm. for the hundreds of love that they get, they focus on the two or three people that made a comment about how their hair looked or how they dressed or how they wore their makeup. And it brings down their whole day. And it's just like, if they're focusing on that, it clearly shows how much they care about what other people say. And I know the bachelor franchise does not provide help post-show. And I think that's what they kind of, they really need to because it's starting to get really bad. I call the fan base. It's it's toxic, toxic bachelor nation now because all they do is try and Google stuff and find as many things possible in your past that they can bring up about things that you've done and things that you've said, and they're just looking now. I mean, the whole job when this cast is released every season is let's find the dirt on every single person in social media, online, somewhere. Somebody's going to do a TikTok about how they dated that person eight years ago, and he raised his voice at me, or I went out with her eight years ago, and she ghosted me, or whatever, it's just like... That's all that people care about anymore, and it's just – it's completely getting out of hand, and, you know, Toxic Bachelor Nation jumps on it. So – but, yeah, it it crosses over to every reality show. Now, I do want to um, jump into Real Housewives. Last time you were on the podcast – I love it. I love it. Yeah. I told you (laughs) – we had this whole thing where I was like, okay, Kate, I've never seen an episode of Real Housewives of any season – well, outside of Dallas because I live here, but – I even yeah. stopped watching Dallas uh, season three. So understood. And now it's gone, right? <laughs> it's not even on anymore, right? No. Okay. Yeah, they let go. Okay. So I came to you and I said, Hey, I've got a I've got a woman in the Real Housewife franchise that I know nothing about her. I've never watched her on the show. But having you know, reading all the entertainment sites every day, I, I know who she is, I know who her husband is, and I just think she's hot. And that was really it. Like that was all it and that was Melissa. Gorgia, right? Gorg- Gorgia. Gorgia, Yes. And I was like, okay. And I and I, and you gave me the whole rundown of her backstory. I knew nothing about her other than what she looked right. like because I went on her Instagram and had seen her in Us Weekly and all those magazines. So I have a new one and it's not this okay. and this isn't oh, okay. this isn't a I think she's hot. This is just Fascinating. I don't know the full story and I'm kind of fascinated by the little that I do know and that's okay. Erica Jane. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, I am so glad you asked. Me.
0: <laughs> what is Okay, I like, this I is, know that she was on dance with the stars cuz so I used to watch that show. Okay. But what is her what is going on? Like she she's out of money? What I don't what's okay. happening? This is, this is
1: amazing. <laughs> okay, so she joins the show of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. N- nobody outside of people who work in the legal industry, which included myself cuz I used to work in the legal industry, knew who she was. She was is originally from the South. She moves to Los Angeles. She's got one child. Um, and about age 27, she meets Tom Girardi her husband at Chasen's, which is a bar in LA, which he, I believe he was like part owner of. And she's like a cocktail waitress. And they meet and fall in love. They got married. What's, he, what's the
0: age difference between them?
1: Significantly older, I believe, maybe like 18, 19, 20, I think 18 years.
0: Okay.
1: And so what you should know about Tom Gerardi was that he had a stranglehold on the legal marketplace in Los Angeles. He's a plaintiff's attorney, was known for being involved in the Aaron Brockovich case. He basically would come in and get settlements for, for victims. But what people didn't realize was that he had been basically like a thug, if you will, a legal thug who had relationships with judges and was like harassing people behind the scenes and but most importantly taking settlement money from his clients and basically moving the plates around so it's like a almost like a madoff situation bernie madoff situation where he'd get money for a settlement only give portion of it to the victims use some of the money to pay off the other person and then but the biggest issue was he was spending victims' money, what has been alleged and is coming out in the courts now, on funding the lifestyle of his wife. She at first was just like this trophy wife, and then she decides to be, much like Melissa Gorga, a mid-life pop star. So she concocts this personality. She's no longer Erica Jane, the trophy wife of the legal eagle. But Erica Jane, this provocative woman with very long hair extensions and and leather bustiers on and high heels, and she would at first perform at like gay clubs and do like dance songs. And so by being on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and presenting this personality that she had 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 created as a performer, and people, by the way, were like. What kind of performer? Like, did you go to Juilliard? Did were you on Broadway? And it's like, nah. She like was a stripper at one point, and then she was a cocktail waitress, and then she used this massive amount of money that the Girardis had to pay for a hairstylist, a makeup stylist, a, a a choreographer. Like, she had this whole team that she had assembled and was paying copious amounts of money to to create this persona. So there was so much money being spent on creation and very little that she was making because she'd like go to like a club here or there. So by being on the television show, all of a sudden Christina Aguilera is, I swear to God paying for her to perform at like a party. And you're like, what strange vortex are we living in? Because the songs are all like very auto tone. And the worst part about it is Steve, the song hit song was it's expensive to be me. And what we have found out in the last year, there was a Los Angeles Times story. I interviewed um, those reporters, Harriet Ryan and Matt Hamilton. A story came out, I believe it was January of this year, that blew this case open that Tom Girardi, her husband, was not in fact this man who was fighting the good fight for victims, but in fact taking their money and what was alleged was spending that money on the creation of Erica Jane.
0: And she didn't. And, the, and she didn't and know it. The question
1: it. was unaware and to still her. mates, how much did she know? Oh, okay. And she has said, "I did not know a thing." Although there have been there has been whispers and documentation by journalists that there is reason to believe that there could have been $20 million put into her account at some point. So there, it's, it's a, a murky issue of like how much did she know? What I can tell you and which people have had the largest problem with is the way that she has responded to the series events. Number one, she files for divorce on election day. She's filming the last season in October. At the end of October, she's saying on camera, we have this wonderful relationship. He's so supportive of me. God, I love him so much. And then, like five days later, she mysteriously files for a divorce, and asks for privacy, and then says, like two days later in filming, like it actually was awful and he was cheating on me. And people were on the show were like, "Wait a minute, you just said that like he's the love of your life. Like what happened?" And so this is all lining up. No, the I'm sorry. The Los Angeles Times report, uh, article came out in November. So then the cast members on screen are like, okay, now there's this Los Angeles times article. And it says that your husband's a total con artist. There's all this money that's missing. How much did you know? And every time they ask her about on camera, she blows a lid, she screams at them. And she said, she fumbles with her words sometimes. So the viewers this season, it's been like, you almost feel like you're watching like a dateline of 48 hours mystery where you're like, well, wait a minute, you just said that, but that doesn't add up. Like she tells this one story about, she's suggesting now that he had cognitive issues that have been going on for so many years. And it's like, is she saying that because she's trying to protect him in in some way? She tells a story like, well, he did drive off the cliff that one time and was unconscious for 12 hours. And people are laughing about it. They're like, there's no police record of it. He, he was unconscious for 12 hours. Like what? Oh, but I didn't want them to operate on him because of his dementia. They're like, wait, dementia. Like, what are you talking about? So it's been, a highly interesting season I have interviewed the Los Angeles Times reporters but also the attorney who filed a federal lawsuit against the Girardi's in a Chicago court alleging or or claiming that the Girardi's knew what was happening with the money and that the money should go back to the victims of the lion air crash which um, happened in Indonesia and those victims and their families you know they have not received any money. So you have Indonesian widows and children. They're also burned. There's a mountain of victims of Tom Girardi. So again, the overarching question is, how much did she know? And so tonight they air the fourth part of a reunion, and you're at the end of your seat because in this episode, Andy Cohen is going to grill her about how much she knew. So I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like it because you're you're like – how does this mo- woman not know where any of the money is and what she is saying and it's you have to figure out whether it's true or not that she basically would ca- give her checks over to him and that he was in charge of all the money and she had no idea what was going on but in earlier versions or seasons of the show she has said girl like i know like i'm on it i'm independent and now it's like a total flip so you don't know what the truth is so oh the last part wait the last part i forgot was it's the way that she's handled the situation where she has never shown real empathy for the victims. And she puts these social media posts up where she's pretty crass and, and, and she's like sexually like posing. And it's, it's like, how could you be in the midst of this divorce with a man that you claim was horrible to you? And you know that so many people are waiting for settlements, burn victims, air crash victims, and you're posting provocative photos, there's like a disconnect. So maybe she didn't know what was going on, but there certainly seems to be something wrong in terms of her disability to have any empathy for all the victims.
0: So I could be not remembering this correctly, but I thought I saw within the last couple weeks some sort of headline where she said, I've got no money. I, I get my clothes from TJ Maxx now or something like that. Is that?
1: No, you saw a photo of her in TJ Maxx and that seemed to be pretty absurd because she's still living in a $10,000 rental with Baccarat candlestick holders and still is filming a show. They already started filming the next season. So you can see pictures out where she's in full luxury she claims she divorced him. She pulled up a divorce uh, a, a a truck into the, to the, to the house, dropped him off at work. Go back, went back to the house, packed as much shit as she could into a truck, and then goes to a ten thousand dollar a month rental. And she's saying, "I don't have any money. I have all these lawsuits heading my way." But then she's still in, like her makeup. She's got a full makeup and hair team still. That was the other thing. Like during the season, you ha- see her cry. And say this is so stressful. Stressful. I can't believe what's been happening. Like, how could people say that I knew? And then, like the the camera will pan back, and she has this full makeups and hair and squad and assistance. And you're like, what parallel universe are we all living in? <laughs> so every you're it's like one of those shows where you're screaming at the TV. It's crazy.
0: And t- so tonight is the last. The last episode of of the the reunion of the of the the previous season. They've already started filming the next one.
1: Yes. And and Mm. you are like on the edge of your seat because Andy's like, okay, what about the 20 million dollars into your account? Like, where's that money? And how much did you know? And what was happening? And he just like goes for it. Guns for her. And I think that, yeah, the people are really excited for it. By the way, you need to start watching because they already are filming this one. And just last week, so in part three of the reunion on a Wednesday, they do the reunion and Andy's asking them about showing all that they have on camera. You know, they're like, here's my closet. Here are all my bags. Here's all my jewelry. That night, last uh, last week, in the evening, I wake up. Daily Mail has a whole article that one of the other cast members robbers broke into her house in Encino three armed guys and threatened to kill her and ransacked the house for 20 minutes while her children were sleeping and you're like I don't know these housewives cannot be showing like that's such an easy target when they're bragging about all the things that they have I'm like do do people who have an enormous amount of money do they do that probably not it lets like Kim Kardashian after that burglary she said I don't I I don't even keep any of my nice things in my home anymore. It's like in a separate facility because she's just so conscious of being a target. So I think anyway, it's I like unscripted TV because it's like constantly like a social experiment that you get to watch and you're like a cultural anthropologist watching from afar and I think if you tend to enjoy shows like that for that way, that way, then you'll really find Beverly Hills Housewives to be endlessly
0: fascinating. So where is Tom? Is he in prison? Is he in jail?
1: Oh, so he is living in a facility. However, people that are are investigative journalists, because you think Bachelor Nation people are investigative. The housewives world, they are investigative. I don't think he's actually living there. I think they did like a photo op because no one who works there seems to have any record of this guy. And then here's the other thing. He has been filmed... Outside of the facility, and the TMZ is asking him questions, and he's sort of fumbling through answers. But I've also heard audio where he seems to be very cognizant and and menacing. And the attorney that I interviewed said that he received phone calls from Tom Girardi, basically threatening him to drop the lawsuit, and he could um, give him money in return. And they do not sound like somebody that has cognitive issues. So there's a real question of the validity of any of these claims.
0: But Erica and Tom, assuming, like you said, next season has already started filming. They're not filming stuff together. They're definitely broken up or are they secretly still seeing each other?
1: Well, then she, but she fumbled in one scene this season where she says that he calls her every day. But then later when they ask her about it, she's like, I got to go a second. And then she goes into a bathroom and you can hear her crying in the bathroom. And you're like, is she upset because she's under stressful situations or did she just slip up and she should not have said, because the question is, was this a sham divorce? Did she get divorced because she's protecting him or did she find out the money's gone and she's like, I gotta go. And is if he, if he's still in communication with her, is it because they want to make sure they're on the same page? It's like all these questions okay. that you're like,
0: so what's going on? So to wrap this particular part of the podcast up and this whole Beverly <laughs> Hills housewives part of it up, right in your opinion, based on everything that you know and the context that you have in the housewives industry, what do you think is going on?
1: I'm inclined to believe that there must've been some communication that he had with her in the days or moments before she filed where he had said the walls are closing in on us and save yourself because it seems to me and this is all speculation and purely as an armchair psychologist and having interviewed the Los Angeles Times reporters and the attorney and being so deep into this that she still seems to protect him in some sort of way It's like she alludes to, well, he did have affairs, but the affairs were years ago, and you seem to still stay married to him. Were you with him for love or were you with him for money? So, like, if you if you divorced him because he was a cheater, you knew that ten years ago. Why on election day, and when the Los Angeles Times report was just about to come out, It, it it see it's a very hard hard to believe that she didn't know something. I just don't know how much she knew.
0: Okay. Fascinating stuff. I tell you, um, it
1: it is, it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear from people who talk about this and they, they say that real housewives of Beverly Hills this last season is like the best thing going on television right now. I'm like, come on, it's real housewives. And they're like, no, this is, this is, this is good. (laughs)
1: I'm very, I'm very confident. And now there are two other things that I told you earlier that I want you to watch. Are you going to watch them?
0: Well, I'm going to go over those with you right now. Um you're big on you're big on documentaries. Like I said, I'm yes. I'm finishing up Squid Game as we speak. I got two episodes left. And so that's what I'm on right now and then you know, it's on to whatever. I, I I don't know what's next on my list. But uh you're big into documentaries and you told me about two documentaries that now have piqued my interest. Yes. One of them is a series and one of them is a one-off or are they both one-offs? There, one's
1: a series and one is a one-off so you can get a little bit of both okay. and and you can so if you just want like a one-hit wonder you're going to go for CNN fil- documentary has the lost sons so here's the story on the lost sons a baby is born in a chicago hospital in june of 1964 his name's paul franzak Dora Franzack is his mother. She's in the hospital room. She's holding the baby. A woman dressed as a nurse comes in and she says, the doctor needs to t- do some more tests. She hands her baby to this woman. The woman walks out the door and out of the hospital. It was the largest manhunt in Chicago history all over the papers. And in the reason that now in hospitals, when babies are born, they have code pink, the security with the bracelets yeah, because this woman disappeared and no one know, kn- knew what happened to the baby. Well, a year later and, And Paul, the baby, was never given a footprint, handprint, and the blood taken because the baby had just been born. So a year later, a boy is found outside of a shopping center in Newark, New Jersey, in a stroller, and he's got a black and blue mark on his face. And the police officer there, uh, remember the Paul Franzak case, contacts the Chicago office of the FBI and says, there's a child here, and it might be Paul. So the Franzacs see a picture of the baby. They drive out to Newark. They meet the child, and they say, "We think this is our son." So the child goes home with them. When he's nine years old, he he uh, finds a box behind a couch, and it's got clippings about a boy that was found who was kidnapped. And he goes to his mother and asks her, "Is this me?" And she says, "Don't ever ask me about it again." And he doesn't. So when he's in his tw- early twenties, and by the way, he doesn't look anything like anybody else in the family. <laughs> He gets a DNA test. His parents begrudgingly agree to it. They beg him not to find out the results. They get the results. He's not the baby. He's not them. He's not their child. So the whole documentary is, A, what happened to the real Paul Franzak baby? Where is he? What happened to him? And the other question is, Who? who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. And you are like, wh- I'm telling you. You're do we get answers at out. the end of
0: it or do they leave it open-ended?
1: No, you get a lot of answers. Okay. There's still some stuff he's working on, but you're going to get a lot and you're just going to be screaming at your TV like, what oh. are you talking about? This is insane. Just when you think you know something, then there's this whole other thing that happens and you're like, what is going on? So that's called The Lost Sons. That's on CNN. You can do it on demand or um, when on it, the CNN app.
0: When did it first come two, out?
1: Two weeks ago. And by the way, I interviewed Paul Franzak, So you can watch that and then listen to my interview with Paul. The other other docu-series is called The Way Down, W-A, Way Down. It's based on – it's this docu-series about this woman named Gwen Shamblin. You've probably seen pictures of her. She's got wildly teased hair, an itty-bitty woman with a lot of makeup on, almost like a Tammy Faye. So Gwen Shamblin became famous. She was this author who had this whole idea of pivoting away from the refrigerator and instead to God. So pray away the pounds. And she started to have these little uh, groups that, uh, would pop up all over the, in the 1980s, she started going on TV all the time. And she got this following, she developed a church in Brentwood, Tennessee. She was married and had two kids. She gets rid of the first husband because he's not on brand. Cause he's for lack of a better term, fat. And she's all about like being skinny, skinny, skinny. So she, she meets this guy who was from Newport beach, California, and was an actor and then had decided midlife that he wants to be a country music star. I mean, he's like a lost guy and then he meets her and she's like bonus. So she divorces the first husband, marries this guy and he takes on the role of like the husband of the church. So this church that still is in Brentwood, Tennessee, it's called the fellowship chapel. Basically Gwen would tell the parishioners how to conduct their lives, how they should be in their marriages, how they should raise children, what to eat? They're all reliant on her, and she's amassed this like following. What ha- the crazy thing is, HBO was already filming a docu series about her because she's so fascinating and bizarre. And in May of this year, she and her husband, her son-in-law, and two couples in the church all died in a plane crash. They were on their way to a Trump rally in May, and the plane crashed, and they died. So you can watch a, like three episodes of it and they're, they're finishing up the last two episodes because it put like a, you know, a, a kink in their chain when yeah. they died in the plane crash. So I'm telling you're going to be like, this is crazy. So th- listen, here's the net net. You've got a lot of homework to do. <laughs> You've got Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to watch. You just you don't need to watch all the other seasons. You're going to jump into the last season and just power through it. It's so good. Then you're going to watch The Way Down on HBO Max, HBO, HBO Max. Then you're going to watch CNN's The Lost Sons, and you
0: have so much material to watch. Well, when you told me that <laughs> – when you mentioned – and I know this isn't the same guy, but when you mentioned that uh, this woman found herself a man in Huntington uh, in Newport Beach, I'm in like, Beach. Is, this, is this Dirty John? Did, but well, I was like, Dirty John's dead. Oh, was my
1: God. It, By the way, do you know – do you know I ran into her at, outside the grocery store in Newport Beach like three weeks ago? Deborah Newell. Oh, you did? Yeah, she was like, hey, Kate, what's up? She was with the daughter from Dirty John who was not happy with what happened and didn't really want to partake in it. Um, yeah, she's like dating and happy. And yeah, but that happened. That murder happened about a half a mile down the street from me.
0: Wow. You're, like, ra- crazy? you're, you're like right in the center of things there, Kate. My gosh! I
1: know, <laughs> I know. It's crazy. No,
0: you've built up some. You've built up some great contacts in that, especially in the Real Housewives world. But um, you know, the guests that you've had on, the guests you've been able to get on, has been
1: outstanding well, I'm, stuff. I'm always interested in the unscripted umbrella. So that's reality shows, documentaries, and docu series. So when people listen to my show, um, I have all kinds of guests. I'm, I'm. I interviewed, for example, Amanda Knox. I've had the uh, Tiger Woods biographer talk about the Tiger Woods uh, documentary. It's always different, but most importantly, I'm always looking for really interesting things for people to watch. So I'm every episode. I'm like, okay, these are three things you got to watch this week.
0: Well, there was one documentary I watched last summer that I totally got hooked on. and it was, was it? O- it was only two episodes and I'm sure you saw it on HBO. I love you now die.
1: So I did cover that, and I had you a did. child psychol—I had a child psychologist come on and talk about it. That one, I'm still trying to unpack that one. And now she is a really good director. She just did that Britney Spears documentary on Netflix. Her name's Erin Lee Carr. She's really good. But if you liked I Love You, Now Die, you should also watch – I believe she did the same uh, – this as well. It's on HBO. It's called Who Killed Garrett Phillips.
0: Yeah, it came on, it came on right a, after a I happened. Love You, Now Die. Yeah.
1: Yes, that one's really good too. Yeah, she's a really good director, and she's really young too.
0: For for those of you that don't remember, you probably remember the story. You probably don't know the documentary by the title "I Love You Now Die." You probably remember hearing in the news about a child, uh, a teenager, mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen years old, I think he was, that died because his girlfriend at the time. What was the story? Um told him so, to, told him to kill himself over text.
1: Yes. So they weren't even really boyfriend girlfriend. It was like It was a
0: very weird relationship. It was a very
1: odd relationship and yeah. they were texting all the time and I mean the amount of text messages that they brought into the court in the court were just pages and pages. And he had mental health issues and she had mental health issues. And at one point in their text chains, he says, I'm at a point now. I just think I should kill myself. And she says, you should do it. Yeah. And so the whole so he ended up killing himself. And then charges were made against her. And so it covers the before and the after. And the question really is how at fault was Michelle Carter in his death? because of the text messages.
0: And it's a a fascinating documentary. It's awesome. Because the best part about the documentary is how many of the text conversations between Michelle and the boy who killed himself, I forget his name, I'm sorry, because it's been a year and a half since I watched it, maybe two. Um, It shows you on the screen their conversations that they had, including the night that he did kill himself. And so it brings up this question if you're not there and you don't and someone tells you i want to kill themselves to you mm-hmm. and you do nothing about it in fact encourage it are you now liable it's it's a fascinating look because i guarantee there's people that will look at that on the outside and be like no of course she's not liable and then you watch that documentary and you're like you know what she she she's definitely guilty of something like i think that's the yeah. way i came out of it she's guilty of something i don't know what because i'm not a legal expert But she was definitely at fault for not doing anything.
1: Well, then also you hear, well, by the way, after he died, she almost took, took glee. There is, there is some sort of like element of that bachelor nation housewives, like likes comments, attention where she took glee in being associated with him because it was like he was, Oh, you were his best friend. Like give us access to information about him. And she would go to these fundraisers and like to be the center of attention, yeah. but also then you hear about her personal history and then you're empathetic to her and thinking there, there are severe mental health issues at play. And was it two kids who were not being monitored by parents in, in, a, in an emotionally inappropriate relationship?
0: Yeah. I, I, if for those of you, you can still get it. I'm sure you can pull it up on demand. It's oh, you pu- can't. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's called I Love You, Now Die, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. And it's a, I don't want to give away the ending and where we're at and what the conviction was and all that, if she got off, if she was, mm-hmm. you just need to watch it. And then after you watch it, then Google stuff about, hey, what's happened since. Because stuff has happened yes. since that documentary um, has come out. But it is it is only two parts. I think each part is an hour and a half. And it is... It was some of the best stuff, and I remember watching it, and at the end of the second part, I looked to see who the director was, and I DM'd her at the time. I think it was the woman you mentioned. I, I, yeah, i Lee Carr. I think that was her. Okay, I can't remember. I have to go back and look at my DMs, but I was like- yeah. I want to talk to the person who put this together because I was so and so uh, enthralled by it and um She doesn't
1: that, do any interviews. Yeah, they She's were busy. Really quiet. She she
0: said I um, she goes I'm working on another project right now. Reach back to me in 3 months. I did. Never never responded and I'm like, "Okay, now it's kind of like I wanted to have her on to promote this documentary that had just been released and then, you know, if you bring her on 6 months later, it's like, "Okay, it's still a great documentary, but I don't know. Um, I think
1: that documentarians are so into their projects that they are. It's they're the most single focused people, and they're also the. They don't like attention. They're pure, or purely about their art, mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's tricky getting some of the documentarians to do interviews. But one of the best interviews I've ever done was with the. The, these two brothers, the Day brothers, they did the 9-11 documentary, the one that showed the actual plane going into the second building. They were embedded with a fire department in, in New York City on 9-11. And so that documentary that they made was aired on the year anniversary on CBS and had the most watched, that's the most watched documentary in the history. And so then years later, they made a documentary called Paris Attacks about the French attacks in November um, of a few years ago, where that was the night of the the shooting at the Bataclan theater, and anyway, those two, the ju- the hoops I had to jump through to find those two was insane. It's because the documentarians are just intensely private, very focused people, and they are so much about their work that they don't even think about publicity, yeah. which is so different than other people in that unscripted space.
0: So if you learn nothing in it at all from this podcast, just know that there's three documentaries we yes. would like you to watch. Number one, yeah. on CNN called the, "The Lost Sons." The Lost Sons. Yep. On HBO Max, it is
1: "The Way Down."
0: The Way Down, and then on demand. HBO. On demand, I'm sure you can pull it up. I, I I watched it on HBO when it came out, but I'm sure it's on demand.
1: It's on demand. It is on demand. Okay. I love you now, die. I love, and
0: then I love you now, die. Yeah. With the the Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter, and that's the one so with uh, with the two teenagers. That um, it's just it's so good because so good. when you're watching it, also as well, and seeing all the text conversations between them pop up on screen that they were able to get access to, I think I even reached out to one of the guys that was one of the main interviewees that they had on that show, and I reached out to him, and he's like, "Hey man, well, um, just just not doing any interviews, sorry." And yeah, also,
1: he must be the the mental health toll that that case must have taken on all of the people in that orbit must be immense.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to to dive into that and talk to people associated with that documentary and then got no you know basically a no from the director and a no from one of the main figures of that show mm-hmm. uh, from from one of the main people that they interviewed who was a reporter mm-hmm. on it and I was just I was just like okay, well, I guess I guess I'll just let it go, but um, I can't stress enough what a great documentary it was, and it really gets you to think because especially now in this age of social media um mm-hmm. that we're in like this would never would have happened when I was growing up as a teenager if I had a you know because we wouldn't text each I other know. this is such a thing now to where yeah, you take a text from somebody that you know you can't tell tone and mood in texts, and sometimes words are just like. Wait, are they joking or are they serious? And, yeah. and that's kind of the way Michelle's lawyers took it was like, you know, well, you don't know. He you know, he's always said some weird things on text. So how was she supposed to know that he he was being serious this time? Because he's always threatened to kill himself. And it's just like, yeah, but she still did nothing. You know, she and if, if not only did she do nothing, she encouraged it and yeah. said you know why don't you do it and yeah you think you should kill it tonight's the night and you know she just kind of went along with it oh, and,
1: oh it's just so gut-wrenching and just oh
0: yeah and great great documentary so again kate thank you so much uh thank for coming you on. i appreciate That's it so um another great talk and uh we will definitely bring you on again in the future maybe when the next season of Beverly Hills wraps up. We'll bring you up to. We'll bring you on to talk about everything that happened with Erica Jane. Well, first off, when 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 is that season? I know you said it's filming now. So when would Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the next season start airing? April ish, May.
1: I bet you that will because I think people were so like just entranced by the season that they're going to speed it up. And I want you and I, anybody who's listening who dives into that show never watched it before, just please send me a note and tell me what you think. I'm dying to know what people think. If you've never watched that show, I'm dying to know what you think about this season.
0: Okay, so not I, knowing anything and other than what you yeah. explained to me on the podcast tonight, if I watch yes. part four of the reunion show tonight, or at some point, record it and watch yeah. it, I, I, you think it'll be... I'll be able to get caught up and I'll have an idea.
1: Oh my God. Yes. You have, yeah. Watch this because they'll go back and they'll show you archival footage. So then you'll, you'll know like, Oh, okay. This is when he was on the show before he didn't appear that much on the show actually. So you'll actually, they'll show flashbacks. So you'll get a get good sense of it. Okay. So start at episode one of this season. I think it's season 11 and then this last season and just watch all the episodes and then watch the re the reunions and you're going to be so set.
0: Okay yeah we'll do um
1: you'll you'll feel like you're a legal scholar by the end of it
0: (laughs) i hope so um i'll definitely i'll i'll set it to record if i remind if i remind myself i will i will set it to record i won't probably won't watch it tonight but i will watch it at some point and and see what i think so kate thank you so much you're the best. thank you bye bye thank you so much to kate for coming on really appreciate that always a great talk with her At the end there, three documentaries. I've only seen one of them, but I highly suggest it if you haven't seen it. It's on demand somewhere. It's called I Love You Now Die. It's about the case of a high school teenager who was tried um, for essentially helping her friend commit suicide. But there's so many twists and turns to that case. It's just to leave it just at that would be an undersell it's there's just so much to it Uh, her backstory his backstory their relationship pre him killing himself and post him killing himself was just kind of bizarre and then the two uh, documentaries that she talked about the lost sons on cnn and the way down which is on hbo max Uh, might have to check those out so i'm finishing up squid game I have one episode left, which I'll be watching tonight. I'm going to watch the finale tonight. Episode 8 was pretty intense. Uh, I need some questions answered. That's why I've stuck it out all the way through, even though it's only nine episodes. As I said on my Instagram Live last Friday, when I got on the topic of Squid Game, I was a little late to it. Everybody was talking about it. Oh, my God, it's the best. And I'm just like, okay. I've watched it. I don't expect the finale tonight to blow me away to where I've changed my whole opinion about the show because I do feel it's slow moving at times. It's just odd and different. So I guess that's the appeal. It's just not something you see every day on Netflix or just on regular television. A lot of death, a lot of gruesomeness, but I'm sticking around. I I want some answers. I'm like, why is this happening? (laughs) Why are these people dressed like this? Who are these people? Why is this a game? You know, that's what I want to know. And hopefully I'll get some of those answers tonight when I watch the finale. But it's good. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's good. I, I definitely not disappointed that I watched it. I don't hate it. But I don't know. Maybe my expectations were set a little bit higher because everybody was saying how great it was. So we'll see. See how it wraps up tonight. But The Lost Suns on CNN, The Way Down, HBO Max. Got to check those out too. And I really appreciated her... You know, talking about Jed and look, you know, here we are what a year and a half later, and it's like there's only so much you can say and do. If if Jed was out there trashing Hannah or you know, look, he's he's giving his side to the Haley situation, but I didn't necessarily think that Jed trashed Haley in his interview with Kate. It was just, okay, he's giving his side. We heard Haley's side twice when she came on my podcast back when this was all going down. It's just basically a matter of, after listening to Jed on Kate's podcast, and if you remember what Haley said on mine, it's just like, okay, who do you believe? And does the truth lie somewhere in the middle? You know, I don't know. I did not go back and listen to Haley's podcast with me before I talked to Kate, or before I listened to some of... Jed on with Kate. So I don't remember every single detail that Haley told me, but I remember being in the moment with her recording and being like, wow, I can't believe Jed did this or thought he'd get away with it. And then what about this? And what about this? And then remember even during the podcast that I recorded with her, just by having a conversation with her, we found out that there was yet another woman that was involved that he was with. Earlier in a day, before he hung out and was intimate with Haley, later on the same day, so it was just like there's a lot of stuff. And sure, he made mistakes. And like Kate said, the guy was 23 years old. So, you know, I don't absolve him of anything. I don't free. You know, it's not like I don't want to say forgive is the right word. It hadn't it didn't happen to me. What I'm just saying is that it's. I think there's obviously a lot that went into it and clearly there's what happened on the show with Hannah and how he acted on the show and him talking about producer manipulation, which again, it almost falls on deaf ears now because this is what the show does. If if you're, it, it, you don't sign up for the show. If you don't have no idea what you're getting into and most don't and producers love that because they feed off the naivete of contestants. But It's the stuff afterwards, the Haley stuff, and what was going on pre-show and after-show. It's just like, okay, he says that she was out for money and she lied to tell her, make her story sound better. You know, Haley came on my podcast for an hour and a half or whatever it was and said everything. I did she lie? I don't know. You know, that's one of those things where you bring people on. It's like, okay, that's their side. Believe them or not, but she did have receipts that she provided, so there is stuff there. It just looks like, you know, a year and a half later Jed's moved on, Hannah's moved on, Haley's moved on. It's like why do we really need to go down a rabbit hole and go down every single thing that Jed did and bring it up and have him, you know, cross examine him on it on the things that Haley said in interviews with the media and then cross and then cross check it with everything that Jed said in his interview with Kate. It's just like I probably not. But it sure is is interesting, because this is the first time he's really spoken about it. So check that out on Kate Casey's podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey. So thank you to Kate. Thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Much appreciated. Be back next week with yet another podcast. So for Kate Casey, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See ya! (laughs)